quick question for you. Hey, let me ask you something. Can I ask you a question? Can you dig it? Yes, guy. Can you dig it? Yes, guy. The man with the words you've been dying to hear. Yes, guy. This is the Yes Guy Show with Jim Taddy on TSN 1050. Oh, Yes Guy. Welcome aboard. Episode number 74 of Yes Guy. Jim Taddy and Perry Love go with you. Perry, how are you this week, sir? Doing great, Jim. How about yourself? Very good. good. Having a great week and uh, pretty exciting with the hockey playoffs starting. Coming up very shortly, Bob McGill, the former Leaf, former broadcaster, uh, talking about uh, playoff hockey. Herb Braley, our financial guy, will be by in segment number two. And in segment number three, Ed Sousa will stop by. He's the GM of Classic Bowl in Mississauga, talking about the McBowl event. For Ronald McDonald House, it'll happen uh, in a week's time. And then, of course, we close off with Yes Guy, No Guy. Before we get going, homeowners are first-time buyers. If you're considering purchasing, refinancing, if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, talk to Dean Romani, TMG SafeBridge Mortgage Solutions. Dean will provide you with custom-tailored mortgage solutions for all your needs. You can contact Dean on Twitter at MTGDean or give him a call at 416-885-1761. Introducing Fox 40's new premium whistle, the Fox 40 Titan, and a sleek titanium body. The Titan emulates the authentic sound of the Fox 40 Classic. Available now in titanium gold or matte black. Go to fox40shop.com. Yes, number one, former Leaf Bob McGill. Bob, how are you, sir? Gentlemen, doing well. How are you about yourselves? Everybody's getting through and enjoying playoff hockey so let's talk about the difference between regular season hockey and playoff hockey what the heck happens when the stanley cup is on the line (laughs) well i can tell you firsthand uh the intensity level you know ramps up uh you know down the stretch and then when the puck drops for the stanley cup playoffs that intensity just increases that much more and uh it's it's such a great thing uh, I think for when you look at uh, what's transpired so far around the National Hockey League and the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, some, some some exciting games and some intense games and I think that that's the way it should be and uh, you know that uh, you're in for a battle each and every night. So Bob I'm going to take you back in time to when you were playing for the Blackhawks you guys went deep into the playoffs I want to know by the time it ended which was like the semifinals were you completely drained yeah you know what it's uh, there's no question that it's uh, it's a grind and uh, you know it's not a sprint it's a marathon and uh, you know we, yeah we went to the back-to-back conference finals in uh, 1989 we lost to Calgary and they went on and won the cup and then in 90 we lost to the Oilers and they went on and won the Stanley Cup as well. And, uh, you know, it, when it's all said and done, uh, uh, boy, it's the kind of one of those things where it's, it's, it's so disappointing that you don't move on to the Stanley Cup finals. Uh, but uh, within a day or two, you realize just how exhausted and worn out you are, uh, both physically and mentally. And so, you know, that's something that, uh, you know, when you look at, uh, the, you know, the, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they're going for the three-peat this year. And uh, when you look at how much, uh, you know, extra hockey that they've played over the course of the last two years coming into the Stanley Cup playoffs this year, uh, it'll be interesting to see if uh, they can continue uh, their quest uh, uh, that they're after here again this year. 
You know, it's it's interesting. So I'm looking at your record, and, and you're so you're playing at Maple Leaf Gardens on the Leafs. You're playing at the Chicago Stadium as the Chicago Blackhawk, and you're playing in Detroit at Joe Louis Arena as a Red Wing for your for your home ice. I mean, those three buildings, more so the Maple Leaf Gardens and Chicago Stadium, are iconic in in terms of of what they would offer with the fans pretty close to you, maybe more so in Chicago. But what did it feel like to be the home on the home team for those games? Well, you know, Jim, uh, it's, there's there's nothing better than you know, especially when you you know you win a round and you, if you're on home ice and you you see the uh, just the the jubilation of the fans on top of uh, you know ourselves uh, you know as the team, uh, it, it's so special, it's unbelievable. And you know, back in Maple Leaf Gardens, I remember back in '86 when we. Uh, you know, we won that first round against the Chicago Blackhawks and the first time they'd won a round in a bunch of years. And I'll tell you, it, there was, I mean, it makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up, the the, the way the crowd reacted and, and just to see the people go. And again, uh, you know, in 87 and then, you know, that run in 93, uh, you know, just unbelievable. And uh, but uh, at the end of the day, the old Chicago Stadium, there was nothing like it. It, it, it was uh, just the, the way the band box it was and uh, just the acoustics of that place. It was like so you couldn't hear yourself thinking there. It was so loud. And uh, when you, you know, being the home team, uh, I think it was such an extra boost, no question about it. And uh, I think that a lot of teams certainly feed off the fans uh, when it comes to playing and here so far uh, at, at the uh, Scotiabank arena for the first two games here for the Maple Leafs and Tampa Bay Lightning, the crowd has been so energetic. It's been so fun to watch. And uh, let's, uh, you know, we're going to see some more games, uh, no question. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how this series plays out. Bob, you worked with Joe Bowen for the longest time. Joe may be the most amped up, broadcast and maybe in the history of hockey what was it like working with him <laughs> uh he's one of a kind no question and uh you know what uh, joe such a great guy and uh you know uh, not only a great broadcaster but i think a great friend and uh you know here's a guy that has lived and breathed the toronto maple leafs uh, his entire life and uh you know for him now uh continuing to go and uh you know, a member of the Hall of Fame now as well. Uh, I think that uh, uh, it certainly would be so fitting to have him be able to hear those sounds, the Maple Leafs win the Stanley Cup, the Maple Leafs win the Stanley Cup. I think that would be uh, one of the most incredible uh, calls you could imagine hearing. I think that, you know, the anticipation to hear that is just enormous. Uh, I mean, you had a long run in the media, too. What did that mean to you? You know what, guys? Uh, it was very special. There's no question. I mean, uh, to be, you know, drafted by the Toronto Maple Leafs in, back in 1980 and then playing for them for seven of my 13 years, I played pro hockey uh, and then turning around and uh, joining uh, Leafs Nation Network uh, and working for 16 years, calling, you know, talking about talking hockey and talking Maple Leaf hockey, talking Toronto Marlies, uh, you know, it was uh, so special without question. And uh, to be part of the Maple Leaf organization for these, you know, years uh, just uh, was, uh, you know, a privilege uh, that 
uh, I don't take lightly. I, I, I loved every minute of it. And, uh, you know, and uh, obviously uh, I follow this team uh, uh, under the microscope like many, many people do, as you know, all know. And uh, uh, I'm just so excited to, to see what transpires this year because uh, they are certainly one of the teams that have an opportunity to hoist Lord Stanley's Cup uh, at the end of it all. Bob, when I started out my career, I covered the Maple Leafs early in the 80s. You were playing for the Leafs then. The media was allowed to go into the locker room, the dressing room, and just walk around, do anything. Now it's basically, it's all closed off. So what was it like being a player during that time, certainly during the time of Harold Ballard and all the crazy things that were going on back then? Oh, boy, Perry. Yeah, you know, those days, Mr. Ballard was, uh, he was, (laughs) He was quite the eccentric guy, was he not? And, uh, you know, uh, it's funny because uh, he was around the dressing room all the time. He used to travel with us. Uh, you know, we would uh, fly the old, uh, we used to call it Scare Ontario, the old Air Ontario twin prop planes we used to fly all over. And and so you got a chance to, to chat with him and to, to know him a little bit. And he was, he was, he was like, he, he was a, he was a, a really nice man. Uh, but, uh at the end of the day, uh, you know, he made it difficult for certain people, no question about it. But uh, with the media, uh, I mean, uh, you know, it's funny because it's amazing how things have changed, right? Because, you know, back in the day, they only talked to the star players and uh, uh, and, and, and sort of the, the, the guys that uh, drove the bus, I guess. Uh, but when you look now around the National Hockey League, like every player on every team, I mean, it's that uh, the the size of the media, uh, you know, groups uh, continues to grow every year, it seems. And, uh, you know, obviously with COVID, uh, things have changed dramatically again, where, you know, you, the access to the locker room is, has, has changed again for everybody from the media. So that makes it, I think, that much tougher. And, and, it, and it's difficult, too, because you don't get that uh, opportunity, I believe, now, uh, to 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 build relationships with players uh, because you don't get the chance to speak to them too much, especially up close and personal like you used to be able to do. So I think that's going to make make things that much more difficult for the media today to to try to sort of earn those uh, relationships amongst uh, you know the players. Bob, I want to go back to the Chicago Stadium just because it it, it was a real treasure, uh, and, and I'm going to throw. Th- four things at you the the organ the clock the anthem and if you were on the visiting team the steps you had to climb to get out of the dressing room to get on the ice those are four yeah. pretty unique things aren't they <laughs> yeah you you hit the nail on the head there jimmy uh you know uh, the organ i'll tell you it was unbelievable right i mean it, it could almost help it, it helped make the building shake and get the crowd going no question about it um, the clock, uh, you know, was, you know, it was old school, no, no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, just, just, just the sheer size of the building, right. Where, uh, the way it was built with, you had the balconies, the three different balconies where the people sat right above the ice. So even if you're in the third balcony, you were looking down right on top of the ice. So it was, it was very, uh, very up close and personal for the people, um, the national anthem. Well, I'll tell you, it didn't matter whether you were the road team because I remember when I even when I played for the Maple Leafs when we used to go into Chicago, 
we that they would start playing that organ that and and the anthem singer would start Wayne Mesmer and I'll tell you the, the hair on the back of your neck we used to go crazy we would be yelling and screaming and going wild because it was just so if you weren't up to play a game after the national anthem in the Chicago stadium you might as well just go right back down to the dressing room and take your stuff off and go home because <laughs> it was the most inspiring place to play a game that you could ever imagine. And then, uh, as you said, as I said, to go down to the locker room, because when you left the ice surface, yeah. <laughs> it was 17 <laughs> stairs down to the bottom to the locker room. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, uh, you know, having played there for four years, every day at practice, you know, it was up the stairs and back, uh, 17 stairs up and down at after. And uh, it was always easy uh after a fight if you got sent to the locker room to go down the stairs good thing you, you had to go down because if you had to walk up 17 stairs after you just had a <laughs> an all-out fight it would have been a little difficult but um yeah it was it was it was quite a special feeling uh you know what are we walking into when you were the visiting team right you're walk, heading up the stairs especially for the first time ever right you're like, oh, my God, what's going on here? Like, we're climbing up these stairs. And, and then all of a sudden you look and it's like, oh, my gosh. And the crowd and it was just uh, it was a hostile environment. And there was nothing better. Bob, you had a health scare a few years ago, but you sound great. How's life treating you these days? Well, you know, Perry, uh, things are things are excellent. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, at the end of this month, it'll be five years. Uh, uh, I, uh, I had a stroke and uh, a couple actually, and uh, thought they were turning out the lights on me, but uh, you know, it's uh, that. I guess when you're a hard-headed guy like myself, <laughs> you uh, forge ahead, and uh, uh, you know things are things are, are going well. I'm uh, I'm healthy, and uh, and things are going well, and you know I've got a, a great family who has supported me. I've got my my beautiful wife and my three kids and I've got five grandkids now running around all over the place. So, uh, it's a busy time here. Uh, you know, we live at the cottage up on the lake and, uh, you know, when everybody comes up, we call it camp McGill and, uh, it can be a little mayhem when everybody's around, but, uh, uh, there's nothing better than, uh, seeing the kids grow up and the grandkids and, uh, and, uh, watching uh, life unfold for sure. Bob, extremely well said. Thanks very much. Nice to reconnect with you. Thank you for stopping by. You bet, gentlemen. Look forward to doing it again sometime. Well, we'll have you back. Thank you. That's Bob McGill, former Leaf. Homeowners are first-time buyers. If you're considering purchasing or refinancing or if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, talk to Dean Romani. TMP SafeBridge Mortgage Solutions. Dean will provide you with custom-tailored mortgage solutions for all your needs. You can contact Dean on Twitter at MTGDean or give him a call at 416 416- 885-1761. Master your game strategy with Fox Sporty Coaching Boards, available for basketball, hockey, football, and more. Use the code YESGUY at checkout for 15% off your order. Go to foxsportyshop.com. This is Yes Guy, the radio show on TSN 1050. This segment is sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial advisor Herb Braley, ready to help you and your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at 1-877-734-3055 or visit his website, braleyadvisors.com. 
With 31 years of experience, Herb will help you do what you want to do with your money, get it back to you when you need it the most. Financial clarity and comfort with Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Yes, Guy, Jim Taddy and Perry Lefko, and Herb Braley is with us now. Herb, welcome. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great, Jim. How are you guys? Good. And I have to tell you, this is, you know, this copy I read for Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated, just, it sings. I love that copy. I do, too. And, uh, you know, love to hear it every weekend. So keep saying it, even when I'm not around. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, we have to get in. We have to get into the market because Wednesday was a great day, and, and Thursday do wasn't we? a great day. I mean, that's do, pretty do we volatile, isn't it? Well, I, well, it's yeah. just it's kind of a headline. I mean, it, that, that's a, a a pretty volatile shift in in two days, isn't it? Yeah. You know, the the market obviously has not been great the last couple of weeks, and uh, you know, people are saying to me all the time, "Well, when is it going to you know go straight up and turn around?" And and I say, "Well." I don't know, and nobody knows that in my industry. If they if they know if they say they do, they're lying. That's for sure. Um, what we do know is that historically there are periods of time and world events, uh, things like changing with the interest rates, that has the market do its dips and dives. But what happens historically is that you know it comes back roaring or it gets back to normal. And so I'm getting calls from people you know who want that comfort level about uh, what we're doing just so they can have in their mind that they understand to, to hold the course and so forth. And so I would say to people, what, what goes down will come up again and make sure you chat with your advisors so that you get that comfort level. Herb, my wife is selling some stocks and having uh, turning that into available cash, having some liquidity from a, a, a standpoint of investment how would you describe what she's doing, and do you talk about things like that to your clients? Well, Perry, uh, not everyone's trading every day at home or, or as, as much involved as your wife is. She's pretty savvy with this stuff, and um, not everyone's a portfolio manager, you know, who they're, you know, have their job or they're, you know, having cash on the sidelines and waiting to make buys and so forth. But I would say, in general, this is a good time to buy. It is because the values are lower. If people have the disposable income or the cash to do it, they should be buying. Although I would say it's also really hard to time the market. You know, we were just talking about, you know, when it's going to come back and flourish. And I also tell people that maybe dollar cost averaging or consistently investing, you know, every week or month or year is is the way to go because there's a lot of stats that show that you know you do the best taking advantage of the growth in the market when when you do that. Um, if your wife or you have your favorite stocks and funds that you invest or blue chippers, then I'd be putting some money in now. Why not? Uh, it makes sense. I'm going to be honest with you, Herb. I mean, I, I track my stuff on a weekly basis. So I've got numbers for the last uh, two and a half, not two and a half, but just going back to March of uh, 2020 when the pandemic started. I started to track it because I wanted to do sort of a history lesson for myself. And, and so what I'm going to describe the market as, and you may agree with this, is a partial leveling because it's still way ahead of where it was. So it, it's not a, uh, I mean, the headline makes sense that, you know, it dropped a, a so many percentage points in one day, but it's still way ahead of where where it was two years ago. 
Oh yeah, it was it was blasting back after the the initial uh, drops in the pandemic, and you know people are saying to me, uh, well, Herb, uh, you know interest rates are now two point eight in GICs or three point one, or I think some of the five year rates are maybe around three and a half, and I say, well, for God's sakes don't long-term invest in GICs still. The market is is the place you would want to be even with what you're seeing recently. Um, I mean, if GICs start to creep up over 5 or 6%, depending on who the person is, I might tell them to put some money in there. Or if they need their money in the next few years for some reason, I would keep them out of a portfolio because they can't wait out the dips and the dives. But I, I think you're right on it. Um, the only question becomes um, how much risk should somebody have in their portfolio? So, you know, theoretically, if somebody's, you know, in their 20s or 30s or 40s and they have decades ahead of them to to wait out what's happening in the market, well, they're going to have more equities than bonds in their portfolio. And if someone is at retirement or getting closer, well, they're going to have more bonds. And, um, you know, everybody needs to figure out with the people that they know and they trust on this stuff, you know, what that mix is and important to review over time because there are changes down life's road, not just with world events, but in everybody's household. So that's why we need to sit down and say, okay, you know, based on our analysis here, uh, you know, what is that risk level we're comfortable with and that makes sense? Well, Herb, I just want to follow up when I was saying before, she's selling stocks and having available cash in case the market crashes. And I know there's so much going on in the world right now. Do you have conversations with your clients to say, like, be very, very careful because at any point this thing could go south? Well, I'm of the mindset that it's great to have guarantees in your portfolio and you haven't really lost anything unless you, you sell out of your funds. Because as you know, you know, with the values drop, you can wait it out and watch the values return. And I've talked about before that segregated funds, uh, you know, a product I have in my arsenal because I'm a, I'm a, a generalist in the business, the insurance industry's version of mutual funds have guarantees. They have market value guarantees and they have death benefit guarantees and they have income guarantees on them. So I can be in portfolios with people just like are being offered by the mutual fund companies or if somebody has a stock portfolio and, and we take away that aspect of trying to figure out when to get out and when to get back in. We just have set the portfolio for a period of time and we're going to wait out everything that happens and catch the growth in the market. I, I know that portfolio managers and, and people who have stock accounts enjoy, enjoy taking some out and having it on the side, trying to figure out when to put it back in or just in case all hell breaks loose. But um, it, it's so hard to figure out when the best time is to be coming back in and making sideways moves. I always try to stay clear of saying to people, you know what, these funds are maybe better than others because invariably, sure, shooting, you know, you might sell somebody's funds because they want you to and you pick new funds and they don't do as well over time as the ones that they would have stayed in if you'd made no changes. So I don't know if that helps, but I, I try to get people to, to not – uh, cash out and wait, you know, if we can. But then again, I'm dealing mostly with mutual fund and seg fund portfolios, not not uh, stock portfolios. 
So, Herb, I mean, we've spent a lot of time here in the market. The personal tax season is over. The corporate tax season is not. Uh, how busy are you now? What, do you, what else are you up to? Well, I'm uh, sort of running back to people with, uh, you know, uh, information on insurance uh, recommendations because we do that too. Um, also visiting clients and, and, and just checking in to see how they're doing and putting events together. And um, I suppose I should tell you about one that I have cooking uh, for the end of May. I had this uh, uh, this dream about Live Aid, if you can believe it. I was maybe I was just sort of subconsciously thinking about everything that's going on in Ukraine and so forth. But I just had this dream about Live Aid, and I remember that from my teenage years. And so I got thinking afterwards. You know, how come I haven't? heard or seen these major events like a lot of things put together because logistically you could probably do it a lot easier now than you could in the 80s and then I thought well I can't do that but maybe I can do some things that would inspire and motivate some others and so in that regard I have a I have a big Ukraine relief fundraiser that I'm working on with uh, a couple of other partners up in the Campbellville area and we happen to have uh, Michael Williams from Much Music Days is our host, and When in Rome, famous band from the 80s, is going to play for our audience. Jimmy Fallon said recently that that was his favorite song of all time. They're 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 hit the promise, and uh, so we're lucky to have them. And so we're going to charge a lot of money uh, for the for the plates, and we're going to do some live auction and silent auction stuff, and you know hopefully have tens of thousands of dollars to donate and then maybe we can rinse and repeat and do this or we'll, we'll see some other people are going to jump on and do some events like that well herb you know when it comes to the promise it's one of my favorite songs so if you're doing something with the boys from when in rome congratulations and you know i think just what you're doing is goes way beyond just you know putting on an event it's about humanity so uh Again, congratulations for having the wherewithal and the thought to do something that goes beyond just having a concert. It's something far bigger than that. Well, thanks, Perry. I appreciate it. I know, um, you know, I see you at all the events that I attend with other people who are kind of like-minded in terms of uh, charitable causes. And, um, you know, I mean, other people are going to do things. I'm starting to hear about events that are coming up. But, uh, you know, in in my small way, this is a way to to contribute and uh you know we'll do something else and as i said hopefully it inspires uh, some other people for sure can i give a plug for my niece how about that just quickly yeah absolutely yes yeah uh, go ahead so you had uh michael hansen on not all that long ago from radar love records and one of the artists that uh, is working with michael is is my niece and her name is amy simmons i think everybody should check out uh, her new video for the song thankful for the demons we're uh, we're really excited about all the hits on YouTube. She's getting tens of thousands of hits, and and uh, they're onto some really cool stuff. They're exciting and uh, very proud to see, you know, what she's done, uh, you know, as her uncle. And uh, enjoy everybody, Amy Simmons. There you go. Yeah, no, we we look forward to having her on on this particular show as well. That that'll be a great moment for us. Herb, thanks very much for stopping by. I always appreciate your support and friendship. Thank you. No worries, guys. I love coming on, too. And uh, as always, can't wait to hear that copy, Jim, here on Yes Guy. Here we go. <laughs>
Here we go. <laughs> this segment is sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial advisor Herb Braley, ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at one 734 3055 or visit his website, BraleyAdvisors.com. With 31 years of experience, Herb will help you do what you want to do with your money, get it back to you when you need it the most. Financial clarity and comfort with Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Stay safe and stay heard with the Fox 40 electronic whistle producing 100 decibels at the push of a button. The electronic whistle is perfect to bring along for any outdoor activity. Don't forget to use the code YESGUY at checkout for 15% off your order. Fox40shop.com. This is Yes Guy, the radio show on TSN 1050. Yes Guy, the radio show. Jim Taddy and Perry Lovegill with you. Looking for an experienced real estate agent, Charles Park, managing broker, Remax West Realty Brokerage has 27 award-winning years of real estate experience. So looking for the highest level of knowledge, experience, and service, put Charles Park in your corner. Visit charlespark.ca or call him or uh, text him at 647-292-8886. Servicing from Hamilton to Kingston, from Toronto to Muskoka, Charles Park will not be outworked by anyone. Let's bring in our third guest. This will be Ed Sousa, the general manager of Classic Bowl in Mississauga. He runs the McBowl event, an annual event in support of Ronald McDonald House. Ed, welcome. How are you today, sir? Very good, Jim. Thank you. Our pleasure to have you. Now, we'll, we'll get into that McBowl thing, but, I mean, as, as the GM of Classic Bowl in Mississauga, you do a lot of community stuff. How did this happen for you? Uh, you know what? I mean, our company's very community-minded, and uh, we like to pay it forward. We've been in business for uh, 30 years, so we feel that uh, we're serving a community need, and as long as the community supports us, uh, we'll gladly support it back, and it's a win-win for both. Well, Ed, talking about McBowl and maybe even a bigger thing, it's um, you've done a lot of stuff because, you know, sadly you lost a nephew to cancer many, many years ago. And you're now, you found a way to turn, you know, a very sad moment in giving back to, uh, you know, to giving back to people and giving back in a, in a big way. What, how does that sort of make you feel about what you've done? Uh, you know what? And real, real quick, I mean, my nephew, unfortunately, got diagnosed with leukemia in 87 at the age of 12. And he passed away at the age of 17, uh, actually Halloween night in 1991. And my sister stayed at Ronald McDonald House uh, off and on for those five years while my nephew was getting treatment at Sickett's Hospital. So... I was told myself if the opportunity presented itself, then that was going to be an organization that uh, we're going to put our full support behind it, and uh, and now we are. So it's uh, again, it's it's a win-win. It uh, allows us to assist other families in need. When you talk about McBall, um, you've been able to start off with a honeymoon suite. This thing has grown organically from just Canadian bands to international bands, and as someone who grew up in Brampton. You ever pinch yourself saying, I can't believe I'm able to bring all these bands together, like bands I grew up loving? I, I'm chuckling as you're stating that, Terry. As, uh, as I've told you on numerous occasions, I, my house is five minutes away from CFNY in, uh, in Brampton, so I kind of grew up in that, you know, basically the best era in music, and not to be in a position where you're booking bands of this magnitude uh, you know, over literally decades. Uh, to give an example, McBowl itself for this coming year, it's over two nights. It's the biggest event, music event in Mississauga. Uh, we've sold tickets to 20 U.S. states and uh, every province in Canada, the last one being Saskatchewan that we sold tickets to. So it's a, uh, you know, it, it's a big to-do, and we're fortunate enough, again, that we get uh, quite a lot of support, and in turn, we uh, make a substantial donation to Ronald McDonald House. We've done, uh, you know, 
nearing maybe 200,000. Probably this year we'll hit a quarter of a million. So it's a, uh, it's a big chunk of money. Ed, the mic is open. Tell us about this year's McBowl. Who's in it, who's in it and you know, can people still get get uh, tickets for this? Uh, uh, unfortunately, this show is rescheduled from 2020 because we lost two years, so we we sold out quite a while ago. But on Friday, May 13th, um, we have Honeymoon Suite uh, returning for you know would have been their seventh, but now their fifth headlining uh, gig. Plus, we have Harlequin coming in. We have the Box coming from Montreal, and of course, the Kings. You know, switching to Glide. And then on Saturday night, uh, we have Jesus Jones flying in from the UK. We have the Spoons. We have Strange Advance making their first appearance or performance in 33 years. And we also have Images in Vogue. So it's a quadruple, um, you know, bands playing on uh, on each night. So it's a, uh, you know, with a couple of thousand people attending each night. You know, one of the things I find fascinating is going into a bowling alley and then seeing it converted into a rock concert with an actual stage put there with every the speakers, the lights and everything. I mean, to me, it's sometimes it's like a surreal event. What is it like for you? Uh, it's like, you know, Spinal Tap. It's kind of when the band perform, they feel it's their Spinal Tap moment. Again, relating it back to our era, it's, you know, going into a roller skating rink and, you know, kind of skating around and listening to, you know, the bands that uh, we grew up with and, you know, fortunate enough to transform our facility into literally the, the largest uh, rock hall, for lack of a better term. And, you know, our facility is 60,000 square feet. So we have lots of room to uh, to accommodate the bands and, more importantly, their fans. I'm really fascinated by the setup. I mean, that, that must have evolved o- over the years. So I mean, how, did you, how did you come up with the original setup and how have you tweaked it? Uh, you know, the first year we did it, uh, actually even prior to McBull, we were fortunate enough that we uh, brought in a flock of seagulls a couple of decades ago, and uh, that went off really, really well. And the stage, of course, was a little bit smaller. So again, as Perry stated, kind of it's grown, you know, organically, where uh, you know you kind of throw it out there, you see what happens, and then each year it gets bigger and bigger. And uh, we already have the date set for next year, we may actually, you know, extend it for another day. So make it, uh, instead of two, make it three days because the demand has been, you know, overwhelming. Very few events of this nature attract people from, like I stated before, from all over the U.S. and all over Canada. And way back in your life, before you were known for putting on McBull, you did some incredible things in Brampton with the Brampton Minor Football Association. And one of those players you coach is going to be playing for the Argos this year. So tell us a bit about that player and his brother, who's about to do some amazing things in the National Football League. Yeah, you know, again, fortunate enough, football is a uh, massive passion of mine. And being a, a big fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers and, of course, my beloved Pitt Panthers. Uh, so coached in Brampton Minor Football, became the president of the uh, association. And uh, Roy Smetchy, who got drafted by Calgary a couple of years ago, is now uh, this season going to play for the Argos. And his younger brother... John Mechie was fortunate enough to get a uh, scholarship to Alabama. And uh, this year it got drafted in the second round, I believe it was 44th overall, to, uh, to Houston. And a really quick story about John, you know, comes over or came over the house quite often. And I told John, I said, John, uh, I don't want you to go to Alabama. I want you to go to Pitt. He goes, the coach, you know, I don't like the cold. I, you know, and I want to play for Nick Saban. And my retort was, John, this ain't about you. This is about Coach Ed. It's what Coach Ed wants, not what you want. And so we had a good chuckle about that. But, I'm, you know, he's 
such a great kid, and he's going to do really, really big things. And uh, so Houston, Houston got a good one. I was kind of hoping that he'd get drafted by the Steelers, but he didn't. But uh, Houston got himself a really, really tremendous player and a better person. Great, great young man. The whole family are incredible. Come from, they have four boys in the family. They're all great, great gentlemen. So, Ed, very quickly, at this year's NFL draft, you had the ultimate Nirvana experience. A player, a quarterback that was with uh, Pittsburgh, University of Pittsburgh, was drafted by the Steelers. Did it get any better than that? Uh, you know what? Again, it was kind of those pinch me moments. I never thought uh, Kenny Pickett, uh, our Pitt Panthers quarterback, was going to fall to the 20th spot. So here I am intently watching the draft a week ago Thursday. And, you know, all of a sudden, first pick, second pick, and it got into, you know, the teens. And I'm like going, you know what? I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen. And then it ended up happening where the Steelers, Kenny Pickett, fell right to Pittsburgh in the uh, 20th pick overall. So I'm kind of hoping that Kenny will do what Ben did, which is uh, bring a couple more Super Bowls to uh, to Steel Town. So really, really fortunate. Ed, I'm going to take a fork in the road here, and let's talk bowling. You're the general manager of Classic Bowl in Mississauga. As a kid, I was a, a big five-pinner because there weren't any 10-pin facilities around where I grew up. But uh, the, the bowling to me was always a, a fascinating sort of recreational thing. How has it grown over the years? It's it's grown exponentially. I mean, we can't keep up with the man. To give an example, our facility is the largest in Canada and in the top 10 in North America. We have 60 lanes, all 10 pins. Uh, the Seine and Bowling Gym is, you know, small balls, small mines, big balls, big mines. And uh, so for us, we can't really <laughs> accommodate the demand that, uh, you know, that we have. Uh, so it's a uh, prior, it was basically a lot of organized play, like leagues. But now it's basically the bulk is, uh, you know, pay as you go. And, of course, massive fundraisers and, you know, corporate functions and on and on and on. So we just we wish we had like 100 lanes. 60 is not enough for us. It's completely the game has made a 180 degree turn where uh, I mean, it's still competitive. There's still those individuals that you know, are playing, quote unquote, for big money. But the bulk of it is basically play as you go. And uh, it continues to grow because it's something that everybody can do from three to 93. So it doesn't discriminate against anybody, regardless of your skill set. And, you know, if the truth be told, you know, you can kind of have a beer in one hand and a ball on the other hand. How can you go wrong with that? Well, Ed, I have to ask a very serious question. Is your favorite band in the world the head pins because of the connection to bowling? <laughs> uh, no. Uh, actually, my favorite band in the world is uh, A Flock of Seagulls. Uh, fortunate enough to, to know Mike Score uh, really, really well, one of my good friends. And uh, and Simple Minds is a close second. So uh, I just booked uh, China Crisis to come to Canada. And again, really quick uh, moment that I had back in 1984 at Massey Hall, China Crisis and Simple Minds uh, sold out four consecutive days. And I was fortunate enough to be there for a couple of those shows. And fast forward to a couple of days, decades later, fortunate enough again to book China Crisis, coming to Canada. And uh, now I just have to work on uh, on Simple Minds. And then kind of my bucket list is uh, is completed. Then, pardon the pun, but I'll hang I'll hang up my hat. Then uh, I may go, I may retire. All right. I'm going to ask you one final question, the exit question. You actually bowled a 300 game. Few people have done that, at least amateur <laughs> recreational players. What was that like? Uh, you know what? I did that on uh, January 11, 2000, to be specific. 
And, uh, yeah, again, it was one of those things, never thought it would happen. I mean, I try to get by on my looks, not on my ability. <laughs> but, uh, but it, it uh, yeah, and never come close since. But, uh, yeah, but at least they can never take that away from me. You got a fancy, fancy ring to go along with that. Got a fancy plaque to go along with that that I keep in my office just so I can rub my employees' no- uh, noses in it because the majority of them haven't done it. So, yeah, it was, um, you know, that was what? 20 going on almost 22 years ago but yeah i still still remember still have a plaque and a ring to prove it that was good very very good now now ed was that a firm 300 or did you get a lucky pinfall no come on jim that was a perfect henson <laughs> perfect that was a perfect game because uh august of uh 1999 i bowled a 299 so i was one short and oh, never thought, oh, never thought wow. I could the 300. Yeah, so it was August, uh, I think it was August 29th of, uh, of that year. And then a couple months later, January 11, 2000, then I was fortunate enough to uh, to complete not the, the other pin foul. So it was good. It was a you know, perfect 300. But in five pin, Jim, don't know if you've ever been close to a perfect game in five pin at 450. So don't know if you ever got close to that in your, no. you know. No. In, in, no. <laughs> No guy. That's a no guy. <laughs> and thank you. Thanks very much. And, well, I'm not going to bowl five pin anymore. I actually have a 10 pin ball right in my closet. So I, I'm going to test out your facility. Yeah, and thanks do, very much. Do. And all the best with all the best with the McBowl on uh, Friday, uh, May 13th. Thank you very much. No problem, Jim. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, Perry. That's Ed Sousa. He's the general manager of Classic Bowl in Mississauga. If you are an experienced real estate agent looking for comprehensive value and a distinct advantage, contact Charles Park, managing broker, Remax West Realty Brokerage, offering state-of-the-art technologies with exclusive coaching and mentoring for a confidential interview. Call Charles at 647-292-8886 or email charles at remaxwest.net. Be prepared on the ice with the Fox 40 products, such as the Fox 40 Call and the Fox 40 Super 4 CMG. Use the code YESGUY at checkout for 15% off your order at fox40shop.com. This is Yes Guy, the radio show on TSN 1050. Yes Guy, no guy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, drivers and passengers, time now for the Yes Guy radio show edition of Yes Guy, no guy. It doesn't get any more official than that. Go ahead, sir. Back in the 70s when bowling was big, you were a fan of Earl Anthony, the southpaw with the crew-cut hair. Oh, an emphatic yes guy. So to finish off that story, I was in a bowling league. I think it was the YBC Youth Bowling Council. Um, and so I did the five-pin, and I would run home and watch the ten-pin. And then I think I watched after the, the PGA, what was it, the PBA Tour, uh, I think I, then I watched the uh, Strikes, Pairs, and Misses on Channel 4. So I was I was a bowling hound in the 70s. Are you kidding? Yes, guy. Are you ready for this? Yes, guy. There is nothing like, there is nothing like NHL playoff hockey first round. There is nothing like it except I find myself staying up till all hours of the night because I'm in various <laughs> pools. Well, that would be a yes guy, right? Yes guy, for sure. Apparently. Go ahead, sir. The Leafs-Tampa series will go seven games. An emphatic yes guy. It has a back-and-forth nature. I, I like what I see, and I think the Leafs will prevail and learn a huge lesson. So I'm going to say yes guy to that. Yes guy, no guy. It seems like the Raptors season ended two months ago. Yes, guy, and I think all of a sudden we're thinking about the Leafs now. So uh, overall, 
We've got the Leafs, we've got the Raptors, now we've got the Blue Jays. So this leads to a yes guy, no guy. It's a great time to be a fan of Toronto sports. Oh, an emphatic yes guy. I mean, there's just possibilities all over the place. We haven't even mentioned the Argonauts, and we'll get into that probably later on in Yes Guy, No Guy. But, yeah, very good time to be a Toronto sports fan, a very good time to be a Toronto media guy or person. Uh, it's just it's uh, you know, a great time. There's plenty of stuff to cover. So an emphatic yes guy all the way around there. Um, yes Guy, No Guy, you are starting to get jacked for the CFL Argonaut season. I'm getting excited, yes, guy. Not only about the Argos, the CFL season, because they've made some interesting rule changes. I'm still trying to get my head around the fact they're going to have two quarterbacks potentially on the field at the same time. What about you, guy? Uh, I'm I'm just always uh, I always anticipate a new season. It just there's a there's a refreshing feel to when uh, things start up again. So I'm I am getting excited about the start of the CFL season. Go ahead, sir. The great thing about the NHL playoffs is it always brings out new stories, new guys, including a goalie who's sitting on the bench, not even sitting on the bench, but eating between games, and then he's thrust into the game and wins it. We're talking about Dominique. Yeah, and uh, and so uh, that was the triple overtime game. And that, that there's a classic uh, sort of hockey story as I'm watching TV, and I go, "Let's, I'm going to check out this this Pittsburgh Rangers game," and. And you know, triple overtime later, it finally ends. <laughs> that was uh, that was a classic and a great hockey story. No question about that. Look at he split here. Yes, guy, no guy. You love bowling. I love bowling. My favorite bowler was well Earl Anthony, but also um, Bo Burton. How's that guy? Okay, we'll end on that. Hope everybody enjoyed episode seventy-four of Yes Guy. Hope you come back next week for episode number. 75, and we'll leave you with this. Oh, yes, guy.